Welcome back to another edition of Dreaming Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenis, with my co-host, Milkar. What's going on, brother? Good, good. Glad we're on again this week. Um, YouTube's down. We're moving forward because we've got a lot to talk about, and people will be able to watch this on demand and through the Leave It In The Ring podcast network. Yes, they definitely will be able to do all that and much, much more. (laughs) Um, You know, David, hold us back. I know. You know, it's always a live show. I feel like it always happens to us. There's always something. Something always has to kick off and and screw it up for us where we can uh, get things just smoothly done. Internet, unfortunately, um, is holding us back. Uh, Hey, really quick. uh, Big announcement. Big news for us. um, Big accomplishment because um, I had been trying for quite some time to get us on Pandora. Um, so I, I definitely want to say just really quick. I want to thank everybody that's been involved and I really want to thank the listeners because like I said, uh, I've said this many times in the past that if it wasn't for our listeners, people that have been following us for over a decade, that it's, that has stuck with us through the thick and thin, uh, a lot of stuff wouldn't be possible and us landing on Pandora, having our own channel on Pandora. It to me is a big accomplishment. Um, we are totally blessed. So just quick thank yous to the guys from the past, to the guys of today that have been involved with uh, Leaving the Ring from going from, you know, Strike Heart, 916 Chris, David Chen, Blood, uh, you know, um, Red, Gabriel Montoya, uh, Felipe Leon, uh, Steve. Steve Kim, um, Evan Rokowski, uh, Kurt uh, Imoff, um, Art from Stand and Fight, uh, so many people on the list, you know, and I apologize if I forgot anybody else out there. Um, and all the guests that have come through, all the PRs that have helped out leaving the ring, like from from Emily to Mario Serrano, from uh, Serafina, um, Amy Green, um, Rachel Charles, all of those people that have been physically involved with leaving ring by getting us guests and just even helping out promote us. Uh, I want to thank everybody. You know, it, it really truly means a lot, you know? Um, and I know some folks like some folks have actually written me emails and be like, why do you still, why are you still doing this? And blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I just, I'm just happy with it. You know, like I, I truly enjoy honestly coming on here and just talk, uh, talk boxing, you know, it was not something, this was not really, honestly, this is, this wasn't something I was planning to do. And then think it was going to like, like I was actually going to be doing this for this long, but it just happened. So all the stuff that we got in every platform and the people that come and download and, and tune in live and are on the chat room and chopping it up with us. It's truly a blessing for us, you know, because um, I didn't have any journalistic background, uh, no communication, you know, degree or any of the, any of that. And also I didn't have a big, uh, a big brand to back me up, a big outlet to back me up, you know? So this was really honestly from the ground up, us putting in the work uh, to get here. So to see us on Pandora, it's a huge accomplishment. Maybe not for so-and-so, but for, for me, it's a huge accomplishment. So again, thank you guys for supporting us. Absolutely. Thank you all our listeners. So let's get down to it. Uh, let's get down to the fights that happened this past weekend. We got a lot of stuff to cover from Canelo. Not going to happen with Plant, but, you know, uh, Callum Smith is the replacement for December. They're, uh, you know, close to negotiations, or I think it's done. I'm not quite sure. Um, to COVID, 
getting a hold of Luke Campbell. So the fight on December 5th with Ryan Garcia is off. To uh, Luis Ortiz return on Fox, getting that 46 KO over um, Alexander Flores. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, definitely a bunch of other stuff like Crawford uh, getting in uh, against Kel Brook this Saturday on ESPN. So, but first, let's start off with, let's start off with Saturday's the uh, zone fight with Devin Haney versus Yorkies Gamboa in a lightweight division. Um, it really played out uh, a milk car to what I thought was going to happen uh, between the two. You know, I mean, I think the more surprise was how well Gamboa did, right? That's what I was more surprised and impressed about. It really, it really kind of uh, put a lot of shade on on Devin Haney's performance because it was a shutout. You know, there really wasn't any swing rounds or rounds to give to Gamboa. But being that Gamboa is a 39 years old guy, like you had mentioned to me earlier, um, and 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 really uh, a guy that sh- doesn't belong in the lightweight division, his better days have been at featherweight. To see him be able to have such a great and high performance against uh, Devin Haley was very astonishing. And I think very surprising that it overshadowed what Devin Haley was doing against uh, Yorkies Gamboa. But, I mean, is Gamboa a lot better than we, than we have been anticipating? Like, are we not giving him the credit or even the credit to his chin? Because he was able to with, with you know stand against uh, Tank Davis's punches, which we saw what Tank Davis was able to do to a smaller guy that jumped up and weighed as well in the Santa Cruz. Um, but Gamboa was able to take and eat a lot of the shots that Devin Haley was throwing off of his uh, you know uh, 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 off of his stance with the straight right. Yeah, I, honestly, I think the question is as as you just put it, David. Is Gamboa that good, or is it really an issue of a hype machine just really getting behind Devin Haney? I mean, I think, and we can talk about this another time in terms of if we're going to rank promoters. Right. I think that Eddie Hearn is the best promoter in the business, and he's <laughs> done a good job kind of promoting Devin Haney and kind of getting the public and even a lot of hardcore boxing fans to believe that he's an elite lightweight, or at least one of the best lightweights. And I think what we saw on last Saturday is that he's not. Yuri Urkis Gambo is a 39-year-old, uh, former featherweight. He has not really looked good since leaving the featherweight division. He was undersized as a featherweight. He's five foot five. He's got very short arms. Any elite-level 135 pounder, so a lightweight, should be able to dispatch of a 39 year old, short, small arm, former featherweight. T Rex arm. T Rex arm. T Rex. That's far past his prime. Right. You know, he's not he's not a 39 year old super heavyweight. No. You know, he's a 39 year old former featherweight that moved up in weight for big payday. And right. Thoroughly unimpressed by David uh, Devin Haney. I think he's a prospect that has been promoted to be something that he's not quite yet. I'm not saying he won't get there, but he's definitely not there yet. No, he's and, not. 
And we can talk about where he ranks right now as a lightweight, but I think a lot of people might be surprised at where where I rank uh, Devin Haney. We we can get to that later. Thoughts, David? You know, um, I guess they could see us here on, finally, on YouTube. They could definitely see us on Facebook. So I see the comments. We just can't post the comments from uh, Facebook. Uh, Haney, where does he rate with the lightweights? Um, you know... It really, honestly, you, I, I don't, I can't put him anywhere off of that performance. And like I said, that performance was a shutout against Yorkis Gamboa, but yeah. it was such a, I mean, I posted this out there. Uh, I put this out there on our social media. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a, a line of questions about, about Devin Haney. And I, I asked, I said, uh, though Be- De- uh, Devin Haley beat Gamboa, was it a performance that left you feeling he can be the top five of the lightweight division? And uh, 70% said no. Only 30% said yes, Amilcar. And on another poll, I put uh, Gamboa better than we think or Haney just not that good, folks. And 25% said Gamboa's legit. Uh, and 75% said uh, Haney's just not that good. Now, I don't know if he's not that good. I think he's good. But I think it's time for us to suspect his power at the lightweight division. He may be the cloud puff puncher at the lightweight division compared to Campbell, uh, Garcia, Teofimo Lopez, Lomachenko, um, you know, uh, Tank Davis. I think he's the one that most of them are not going to be too worried about what he could do in terms of punching power. What do you think? Yeah, and, you know, punching power, and he just didn't attack Gamboa the way you'd expect a bigger, taller, stronger, faster, uh, younger, lightweight champion, and I put that in air quotes, uh, to do against, as I said, a, a former featherweight who's well past his prime, fighting two weight classes above his ideal weight. You know, when I look at the lightweights, I've got to start with Teofimo Lopez. Um, right. Gervonta's up there, right? Uh, Vasil Lomachenko, if he stays at 135, is, is up there. And going down, like, the list of other top 135 pounders, you know, I think uh, Javier Fortuna is a better fighter at this moment than Devin Haney. I think until proven otherwise, Luke Campbell is a better 135 pounder than Devin Haney. I what think is... the same, same is true with Jorge Linares. And, you know, in terms of prospects, I've been more impressed by uh, George Cambosos Jr., the Australian, and mm. what he's done. Uh, beating Lee Selby in England uh, than anything that Devin Haney's done so far in his career. So I'd, I'd actually have to include George Cambosos Jr. on that list of people I rank ahead of him as well. And in terms of performances against lesser talent, let's be honest, Ryan Garcia has blown, like blown out the last few guys he's faced, you know? And I've got to put him again uh, above Haney at, at this time. So I'm not saying Haney's not going to get to what a lot of people think he already is, but he's not there yet. 
You know, I wonder, well, this is, I guess this would be my question. Let's play promoter here. If I'm promoter to Devin Haney, who do I steer him away from at this moment? Do I steer him? Obviously, you got to steer him away from Tefima Lopez, right? Yep. You're definitely going to have to steer him away from Lomachenko. Regardless of what happened with Tefima Lopez, it wasn't like Lomachenko got a one-side beatdown. Um, he did start coming on the later rounds. Uh, you definitely got to steer him away from... I, I would even steer him away from Ryan Garcia at this moment. Jorge Linares. Steer- I would steer him away from Yvonne Mendy. Um, I... Everybody who's on that list I just mentioned, he should be steering clear of. You know, if he can, you know, defend that title a little bit for what it's worth. But if he wanted to make a case last Saturday that Teofimo Lopez is not the undisputed champion and that he has a claim to a a, a, a lightweight championship, he he failed to make that that statement on Saturday. Yeah. But that that one leaves me with Gamboa. How good is Gamboa then at a lightweight? Obviously, you can see he could take a punch as a lightweight. His arms being that they're T-Rex is obviously going to be a problem for anybody there. You know, but I would consider Gamboa now the gatekeeper. I mean, he is the gatekeeper. Uh, but put him in with somebody else to see if, if those two wins, uh, those two losses that he got, he's received, uh, I mean, could he string out a possible upset? On a Javier Fortuna, uh, a possible Jorge Linares, um, you know, uh, like those guys. I mean, Lomachenko. Would, would Lomachenko want to use him as a comeback fight? Is he is he notable for that though? If I'm Lomachenko, I move back down to one thirty. Uh, I don't think he can make it though. His body frame has kind of showed that he just can't do it. If he can't make it, then yeah, you could go after Haney and try to get the WBC title for whatever that's worth. But right. I, I suggest the, the listeners even look up uh, the Ghanaian fighter, uh, Emmanuel Tagoli. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, I wouldn't put Haney in against him. You know, uh, uh, Nakatami. Uh, I mean, what about that? The Japanese guy, uh, right? I, I mean, I think, yeah, Nakatami at this point. Based and Devin, on I, Nakatami and, and Devin Haney? That's a good fight. It's it's a it's a good fight, and you know what? I think it's a toss up fight. Yeah, even Comey. I, I, Comey is a toss up fight, and like I said, this other guy named Emmanuel Tagoe, that's that's a toss up fight. But against any of the other guys that I mentioned, I favor them over over Devin Amy. Yeah, you just got to because the power to me is not there. The head movement to me wasn't there. There was like certain things that Gambo was able to get away with that the youth of Devin Haney shouldn't have been able to take over. Uh, the man strength obviously was not not there in my opinion. And what I mean by that is like when Gamboa closed that distance uh, and tried to tie up Devin Haney, Devin Haney didn't really resist it. It's almost like he didn't really know what to do with it, right? It, it almost seemed like he was stuck in the mud where, you know, they didn't, they didn't like, practice uh, for this to happen. What they worked on was that it was going to be out on an arm distance. He was going to keep Gamboa at the end of his punches. Um, strong possibilities that they thought what, De- what uh, 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 Tank Davis' team thought was that they had an over-the-hill 39-year-old Gamboa 
that was only 5'5 five five and hasn't looked spectacular and that they should be able to, they should have, and they thought they were going to be able to take him out, out in, in a few, maybe three to four rounds, but it didn't happen. You know, so to me, it really leaves a lot of questions for Devin Haney because to me, he left Gamboa still the the keys to the door of being still a very possible threat in the lightweight division because of his two performances against two top guys that have been two, considered two top guys at the lightweight division. Yeah, I mean, he also, he just wasn't aggressive enough. I mean, you've got a shorter, no. old guy in there. You're the younger kind of... Uh, I'm not expecting him to be Fernando Vargas, but you got to take it to the guy. You got to walk him down with the jab. You got to throw combinations on him. And it was just kind of one, two boxing from the outside, picking off, you know, ping, ping stuff. Not not the type of thing I would expect to see from someone who claims he's the best 135 pounder in the world. Hmm. No, definitely not. And he didn't make his case for that night. Um, Again, I'm not going to write off or think that Devin Haney's not the goods. I, th- I think he is the goods because, like I said, it was a shutout. There was no rounds that you could swing over to Gamboa. But Devin Haney definitely left a lot of questions. Is Does he have the power to compete with the elites? and Or is it that Gamboa's chin is just that more elite at a lightweight division? It's not, it's not, it's not elite. Uh, he's been knocked down multiple times. Um, I've seen Gamboa rocked in so many fights. Uh, we don't have to go down the list of them, but he's been rocked plenty of times. Then and it's safe to say that Haney just doesn't have that I kind of power. Is, I disagree with you. I don't think he is the goods because he's claiming to be the goods is in the best 135-pounder in the world. And that's what his promoter, great promoter, I think best promoter in the business, Eddie Hearn has been promoting him as. Hmm. They're not calling him a prospect that's going to be great in the future. They're saying he's great right now. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think. He, I got another name for you if you can get back down the lightweight. You know, uh, uh, Mikey Garcia. Garcia. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I think he destroys Devin Haney at this point. You know, I also think Robert Easter at this moment is a better fighter than Devin Haney. I mean, Robert Easter lost one fight and it was a good fight. Yeah, you know? that's true. How, yeah. how is Robert Easter at this point not considered to be a better lightweight than Devin Haney? I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't have Eddie Hearn, the master promoter behind them, hyping him up. Well, I mean, look, Devin Haney, when they when he came out, let's, let's start it off with this, okay? The story was that I'm the youngest promoter. That's That was the push. I'm going to be the youngest promoter, okay? I'm going to be, a, a you know... A, a billionaire in the sport. That's what his PR team, his management team, his promoter were pushing. And that's really what honestly has kind of, you know, struck the interest. Now I've always said this. I hate when a fighter's forced down my throat into being great. That's why it was really hard for me to get on the Lomachenko train because immediately this, before even at a pro fight, this guy was considered a great fighter. Right. Devin Haney kind of came out with that same narrative. And I, that turns me off because it tells me two things, okay? One is that, you know, you're working for the guy, so you're supposed to say these things. Or two is you're hiding something. 
There's something that you're trying to sell something else along with this guy because normally when a fighter's great or, you know, it looks like he has the potential to be great, what really all they need to do to play that out is when they perform in the ring. All the other stuff is just added crap to it, added ingredients, you know. Uh, the meat itself is the fighter, you know. That's that's what you're going to queue up and that's what you're going to eat. But all the other stuff, like they're throwing on the youngest promoter, the youngest this, the youngest that. Um, to me, that's just all a bunch of added ingredients that you don't need. Hi, I got another name for you, that uh, a guy that I'd like to see him face. I'd like mm. to see him, a guy like Rolando Romero, another uh, lightweight out of Las Vegas. Ooh. Because at this point, I don't really see Devin Haney as better than Rolando Romero. I, th- I think Rolando Romero would have handled and dispatched of Yuri Orcas Gamboa uh, last Saturday. You know, I think all of the people we've talked about would. So I I see him as a top contender. I don't see him as a champion. And um, Well, he is a yeah. champion, though. He's got the belt. He's got one of the belts, one of the tricklet belts there. Uh, under... <laughs> but it, it was literally like, when, it would be like when uh, Riddick Bowe tossed the WBC title in the trash, and then somebody went into the trash and took it. De- Devin Haley <laughs> walked. He walked on by. They're like, "Yeah, what? What? What is this?" Everyone knows. Picks it up. He picks it up. Tries it on. Oh, it fits. Yeah, this I mean, looks Devin nice on me. Lomachenko <laughs> was the WBC champion, and Lomachenko lost the tail. You know, they just made a second belt, just like right. the WBC. God, I mean, WBC, gee, dude, I mean, have you ever seen anybody whore themselves out as much as the WBC does? No, and they've created this new belt that they've named after the kid that, that, you know, got For the the bridge, the bridge weight, the bridge weight? Bridger weight. The bridger weight. Boy, I yeah. like to I like to build him a bridge to get him the hell away from boxing. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, how do you name it? How, what? what <laughs> I mean, look, don't try. I, I, do not try to get in the mind of Mauricio Suleiman because trust me, you'll get lost in there. It's thicker I mean, than the I, Japanese I, forest. Okay. That it was a traumatic experience. He got bit <laughs> by a dog. He was fighting a dog off. I mean, you got kids starving in Yemen and, and, you know, living under attacks in various countries around the world. And we're not naming uh, championship belts after them. Let me ask you this. With that even being said, him saying, I make the announcement, this is the reason why it's going to be the Bridger weight because of this child here. And we're going to name it after him, but all the proceeds are going to go to him. Did he say anything like that? Or was just a... Or attaching this sad story to this weight because we know the fight fans are going to blow their, their their lids off the top of their head because they know that it's a bullshit title and it's a bullshit weight division, right? Literally one of the it's literally one of the most ridiculous things I've heard like recently. <laughs> wait, are you who's, kidding me? Who's more corrupt, the WBC or the uh, Trump administration? Let me ask you that. Uh. I think they're both corrupt, but I, you know what? I think the Biden administration's going to be very corrupt as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think the working men, and we've discussed this early, and I'm not going to get too political here, but I'll keep it at this. The working man is the loser in, in the election, and the corporations are the winner because the corporations 
are, are behind always. Biden. Always. The bank, the military industrial complex. I could go on and on. Um, <laughs> the healthcare industry. So, yeah. Uh, they're all corrupt. Yeah. You know, but I'll you tell know you what. what? I'll tell you though this, as long as, yeah, you know, well, no, because uh, Joe Biden's been around in politics longer than the WBC. I think he's like seven years. He's got seven years uh, more than the WBC, but 40 years of corruption from the WBC. That's well played, my friends. Well played. <laughs> I, I, and there's plenty of corruption on the Joe Biden side as well. So Right. You know, I... I, I make no 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 bones about it. I was backing Bernie, and uh, you know he he bent the knee and and kissed Joe Biden's face, and we got what we got. So yes, yeah, definitely that's what we did get. Now on uh, Fox Sports, you had the return of Luis Ortiz since last time we saw him. He got stopped by Deontay Wilder. He gets in there with Alexander Flores. Um, I said Alex- this. Great Flores. Flores. Great Flores, yes. And I said this on Saturday nights, uh, round by round with John Midnight. I said that, dude, they should have had Ortiz do the 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 Nevada count. Cause he got it done. He got his job done in like 45, 46 seconds against the great Flores. Yeah. Um... was that a weird KO or was it a weird KO. It was so weird that the, now that the sanctions are holding this guy's purse because they have to do some further investigation because not even the commentators, along with like ourselves, the viewers, we didn't see what hit him. I thought, what I say, it was a bicep that hit him. And that was the first kind of KO I've ever seen off a bicep. You know, I'm pretty sure I've seen it before in my lifetime of watching boxing. But I think that what everybody's suggesting is that Alexander, the diver, Flores, took a dive against Ortiz. I'll be honest with you. I, I used to box a lot when I was younger. I've been hit with forearms and various parts of the arm. It never knocked me down, let alone knocked me out. So, <laughs> Well, you've never right, been hit by Ortiz, though, Emil Carr. Come on. I know. I, I, mean, I was wearing headgear as an amateur, so it's a lot, it's very different, but... You know what I think? This is what happened with Alexander, okay? And hear me out here before everybody jumps down my throat. This is what happened, okay? Alexander was sitting back one day watching PBC Sports, and he saw the big Nigerian nightmare get in there, stand across in the ring, holding himself up against the ring ropes, watched an opponent slowly walk down the ring walk into the ring, step in there, And then stepped out and walked off and got paid still. And he said, bing, that's a good idea, but I'll go a step further. I'll go in there and then pretend I got knocked out. So then they they can't hold my purse. And, uh, but (laughs) they're holding his purse. They're holding his purse. So you failed. The the, the fight I think about uh, that kind of, I felt the same way about, this was years ago on a Showtime card. Jeff Lacey was fighting on a, a Native American reservation and he fought some guy that took a dive and like they withheld the guy's purse. Um, I, I think the biggest problem with this fight, though, to be honest, was the matchup itself. What business did Alexander the Great have fighting Luis Ortiz? Like, that wasn't they, a good Yeah, they, they thought that real, literally the nickname 
was holding some weight. <laughs> did they actually expect that fight to even go? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think what they were expecting was to see some ring rust be shaked off from Luis right. Ortiz. And they were going to end up getting a great KO reel. Um, but they didn't think that they were going to get so much controversy around that KO reel that they got. And uh, I would have put him in against against like Dominic Brazil. Dominic Brazil. Yeah, that would have been a good. But that's a more interesting fight. That would have been out by Wilder. Charles Martin. A Charles guy that, that, you know, a, a guy that's been looking spectacular. A guy that's kind of already created a buzz. And, you know, at one point, he was the, the butt of jokes, right? When he got in with uh, with uh, 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 with um, Wilder, right? Possibly the worst heavyweight title reign of all time. All times, yeah. So that would have been good. Charles Martin, I think that would have been perfect. Perfect. Yeah. If not, I mean, I don't know what they're holding up for. I don't know what they're holding Luis Ortiz. Are they holding him and trying to keep him fresh for like an Andrew Luis, which we don't even know what's going, what's happening with Andrew Luis at this moment. No, you know, I I would have been interested in seeing him against literally anybody. I don't think Eddie Hearn would have put uh, Zhile Zhang against him because I guess he's trying to uh, hype him up for as long as possible. But, you know, uh, Charles Martin sounds good to me. Um, there's a bunch of guys out there that, that he could have. Why not put him in against Frank Sanchez? Isn't Frank Sanchez with the WBC, uh, the, the PBC? I think he is. Yeah, I think he yeah. is. Yeah. Had the two Cubans face off with each other. But you, that whole card, though, that whole card of heavyweights that the PBC was trying to pull off wasn't very good. It just it just wasn't, you know? And even, no. the, even the heavyweights that were on the zone on the undercard of... Uh, Haney and Gamboa was not very good, you know. No, I, I think that's the, why I wasn't so upset because everything was pretty bad, and Devin and, and Devin Haney and Yorkie's Gamboa was decent. That I wasn't that upset. I was like, yeah, hey, okay, it was worth the night because I got to chop it up with a bunch of fans and boxing. Uh, got to call it round by round and had a few drinks, relaxed, barbecued. So I didn't, it made it worth it. But really, honestly, if that was if that didn't happen, it, it would have been. A really crappy night, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But at least I got the second base. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? If I was rating, it's like second base. I got the second base. Oh. <laughs> you know? Got it. Yeah. But what they're going to do in Luis Ortiz next, I don't know. I'm kind of curious, you know? Uh, I hope they. I hope they're not going to try to make a Wilder versus Ortiz number three. Since uh, it doesn't look like Deontay Wilder is going to be getting <laughs> Tyson Fury. Now, Tyson Fury ranting about that because of his behavior and his comments here, Emil Carr. He doesn't want anything to do with uh, Deontay Wilder. Do you blame him? No. I mean, I, I give him the... <laughs> I put two of those, two of those up right there. And, right. And be, just wish him good luck with the rest of his career. I wouldn't be giving him a fight. I thought he won the first fight. Deontay's acting like, oh, I gave you the rematch. Nah, the public was demanding a rematch uh, because of how controversial the first fight was. And the rematch was not controversial at all. It was it was a blowout. So I, I don't need to see it again. I never did. And now Tyson Fury's, you know, got every reason not to give him the rematch. The contract expired. Uh, and then this guy's in 
creating every excuse under the sun, uh, blaming Ricky Haddon, uh, <laughs> accusing putting egg weights in his glove. And worst of all, I think, was the way he disrespected a guy that's been in his corner for so right. long. And it's literally the reasons he's got the, the skills that he has beyond his punching power. I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't really rate JD as, as a great coach, personally. Um, I think he's there because, you know, out of loyalty, and he's the first guy that kind of Deontay trained with as an amateur, and also he's his manager. So, um, you know, it's not like he's going to fire himself. But, yeah, I mean, look, I would not give him a rematch. Hmm. And, and despite the fact that it's gone uh, to mediation, I, I don't think he'll ever be compelled to do it either. Well, let's read off the list here that Deontay Wilder has listed it for himself uh, right. and has, like, literally been vocal about why he lost uh, against Tyson Fury in the rematch. I mean, number one is the outfit. It was too heavy. It drained his legs. Uh, yeah. The second one was the gloves were tampered. He claims uh, glove gate theory, um, saying that his the the palm the fist of Tyson Fury was where the palm should have been in the glove. So he somehow Tyson Fury did some type of Houdini by pulling his hand down in the middle of the glove. Okay, uh, the egg weights now. Now, he said the egg weight because that's what left the indention on his side of his face. Then he also blamed the ref. He said the ref was uh, very biased, you know, very biased against me. Call them uh, a crab in a barrel, which is a, a term uh, in that context used to, by African-Americans to, you know, describe uh, an African-American that is all out for himself and wants to see his fellow brothers fail. So I, I mean, that was. I'm not a big fan of Kelly. Uh, Kenny Bayless, right? Because Kenny Bayless has, in the past, <laughs> Kenny Bayless has showed some bias, a la Floyd Mayweather. Well, if anything, he was biased against Fury. I mean, there were two clear knockdowns that he didn't call for Fury. Right. You know, definitely. Uh, so yeah. And as you mentioned, he blames his trainer, saying that his trainer was in cahoots of setting them up. Also, the water was spiked that his trainer was giving him while he was sipping in between rounds. Uh, the only thing that he's left out so far, Milkar, is that he hasn't been abducted by aliens and that that wasn't him. Now, AJ's fans pretty much had a pretty good imagine, imagination that was close enough to Deontay Wilder and, and his team of fans or cheerleaders, as, as I should say. You know, like AJ's fans came up with that that was an AJ that was his twin brother. I'm surprised that Deontay left that out of the list there, saying that that wasn't me. That was my brother. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's not really much more that can be said. I mean, Tyson Fury's actually, you know, saying that he's concerned about Wilder's mental health at this point. Um, there might be some validity there because he's, it's, it's he's losing it. Yeah. He is losing it. Now, let me ask you this. I put a poll out there. I put a poll out there about who's the biggest sore loser. Is it Deontay Wilder or Trump right now? Uh, and get this. Leading in the poll is Wilder by 1%. But a lot of fans and listeners that tune into the Leaving Rings have said both. 
They think that both are pretty big. Uh, they're equal in being a sore loser. Uh, what do you think, man? Who's the bigger sore, sore loser right now? Is it Donald Trump losing the the election to Joe Biden, or is it Deontay Wilder losing by a KO fashion to uh, Tyson Fury? All right, so it, the fight happened in February, right? Yes. So uh, March, April, May, June, July, <laughs> September, October, November. So nine months later, we're still talking about this. Just off of that, I got to say Wilder. I mean... At least with Trump, the election just happened. <laughs> uh, I just I get a feeling though that Trump will be ten years from now before he even goes to his grave. He's still going to be complaining that the that it was fraudulent, uh, you know, voters and everything else in the book. Nine months from now, if Trump is still bitching about the election. Then yeah, I'll say both. But at this point, you know, look in the immediate aftermath of the fight, he came out with the with the excuse of the ridiculous outfit he was wearing to the ring hmm. and you know nine months later a whole lot of other excuses so just off of that i gotta say wilder me too i think wilder is the bigger sore loser right now and it's just because he could have stayed quiet okay he could have used that 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 whole hey i gave you the rematch like i had said before on our past uh you know uh, show he could have went off of that narrative and stuck to it but i understood where he was going he, he knew exactly that there was no public interest for a third match against Tyson Fury. He also saw that Tyson Fury in top rank honestly did not have interest in getting back in the ring with them so soon. Why? Because it's a business. Bob Arum knows that better than anybody. He's been in this business way longer than any of us, right? So yeah. Tyson Fury needed to do something. And what did he decide to do? Was embrace the QAnon of boxing fans theories and that's what he did yeah i mean there, there's some real uh, there's people that just got too much time on their hands you know making these youtube videos and love gate <laughs> <laughs> i enjoy them <laughs> what? you know what i do you know why i enjoy them because i go god damn i'm so glad i'm not the craziest fucker out there i mean these guys beat me by a long shot of being like loony, you know, because some there's some mornings I wake up a milk car and I gotta admit, I look at myself and say, How did you make it this far in life? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean for me the question is where does Wilder go from here? I'd like to see him in against Andy Ruiz. You know, mm. it's in how they're both with the PBC, they're both coming off losses. Um, and honestly, I think Andy Ruiz has a style that would be very effective uh, against Wilder. Oh, man. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, I just don't see that happening. I think that Wilder is going to do as much as he can to get back into that ring with uh, Tyson Fury. Hopefully he can snap out of it where it's not, too, you know, it's not too late. where We can get in with somebody and uh, that ring rust is not going to be a huge factor. Um, because right now, I think he needs to be realistic and see that strong possibility you're not going to even get a shot at Tyson Fury in 2021. Maybe 22 if, the, if you're able to redeem yourself and blow out the rest of the competition in the heavyweight division. Maybe corner uh, one of the top three guys, okay? Or maybe face like uh, Josh Parker, who's got a really tough assignment as well. 
you know, coming up, you know, there are some things that Wilder's team can do, um, you know, uh, but I think the only option would be what is Andy Ruiz going to do next? And does Andy Ruiz want to De- Deontay Wilder? Because there is no title there. But I want to see why not, because the talks were he was going to get in the ring with the Nightmare, Chris, the night, Chris Oriella. So, who's to say? He already fought Chris Ariola, didn't he? Not, not Andy Ruiz. I'm talking about Andy oh, Ruiz. Yeah. I'm talking about Wilder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't really, you know, I, I like Chris Ariola. Um, I've always liked them, but I don't like guys that are going into fights when I know that they're not going to win. And that's kind of where I see Chris Ariola at this point. Hmm. You know, you're not going to beat Adam Kalnaki. You're not going to beat Andy Ruiz. I don't know. It depends on what Andy Ruiz shows up. The motivated exactly. Andy Ruiz or the non-motivated Andy Ruiz. Because right now, Andy, Andy Ruiz's career has been a, a wave. You know, you never know what you're going to get with the kid. And I don't well, I think, think it's crazy for anybody uh, to ever think that this guy will never get back on the top tiers. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, uh, Kalnaki is facing off against Delanius, I think, in a rematch. So maybe he can right. take on the win that if he's willing to wait that long. Um, but if he wants to fight earlier, he's going to have to find another opponent, someone who hasn't been active right. like him and is available to fight. Um and who also has a name. I think that the, the list of opponents like that is a little bit limited, especially if you're looking at the PBC. So. Well, I think the PBC has kind of shown, though, that they're willing to go to the zone. They're willing to go to top rank. They're willing to do something, you know, uh, yeah. not just stay in the same stable uh, in-house the way they have with, with the welterweight division. With the other divisions, they've been, very, they've been pretty much flexible. So this is true, you know. Uh, let's go to this weekend, this Saturday. Well, let's talk some previews and some news. Now, Canelo Alvarez was supposed to originally, the talks was that he was going to get in uh, with uh, uh, with Caleb Plant from yeah. the PBC for December 19th. Now, that's been thrown away. They couldn't come to whatever agreement. It was too soon to kind of promote on pay-per-view. Or it could have been Plant saying it's just too quick. You know, uh, I need more time to prepare. Because he has stated that in the past when the fight was offered to him. But really, honestly, it's kind of left us in the dark of what happened there. But today, announced on ESPN, uh, is that Caleb Smith got the call. And it looks like it's a very strong possibility Canelo may be back on the zone against Caleb Smith. You know, I... I actually like the Canelo move because essentially what he's done is establish himself as a free agent, much in the way that Anthony Joshua is. Anthony Joshua is tied in England to Sky, but in here in the U.S., he does the zone on a fight-by-fight basis. So he can fight anywhere he wants, PBC, uh, top-ranked ESPN, or the zone. And it's quite interesting that Canelo's done that and – what this has shown me really is that he wanted to get out of his contract with Golden Boy more than his contract necessarily with with the zone. And, you know, right? the fact that he's fighting again on the zone just shows you that he didn't really have a problem, and that he's, you know, much more comfortable negotiating directly with Eddie Hearn than he is having a middleman taking a big cut of his purse in Oscar De La Hoya. 
God, it says a lot when you when you really look at that and uh, see that Canelo showing his definitely his disappointment or his I don't know I guess you could say disgust with Golden Boy because they did they they did do a backdoor deal um, with the zone yeah. and 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 Canelo was very vocal about how displeased he was for them doing that you know. And, uh, you know, the thing with, with Golden Boy is that what I saw with folks were saying, like, that's the end of Golden Boy, and that's the end of the zone. And I was like, no, I don't think so. I mean, because uh, Golden Boy obviously has a lot of prospects, and they also have Virgil Ortiz, who just signed a deal with MTZ uh, Global. Um, they got Ryan Garcia. So they're very much still in the game. I don't see anything happening with them. I don't see... Uh, um, you know, uh, them going anywhere. Uh, is it a setback by losing Canelo Alvarez? I think it is, but I also think that it's a big weight off their shoulder as well. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to be honest with you. I, at this point, much in the way that we were discussing where Devin Haney ranks as a fighter, or at least as a 135-pounder, where do you rank Deloria right now as a promoter? I mean... At this point, I don't even know if he's in the top five. Well, he's definitely got to be in the top five. I mean, like I said, Ryan Garcia, Virgil Ortiz, um, he's got a handful of prospects there. I mean, I, I, I don't see them really honestly. All I see, like I said, it is a setback. It is that they have to build these fighters up that they have in their stable. It is going to take them about another two, three years, really depending how Ryan Garcia does against Campbell, but it also depends on what is what's up the sleeve of Ryan Garcia. Is he planning to stick around with Golden Boy? Or does he have a possible back deal uh, with Eddie Hearn or, or you know, uh, to do something as what Canelo did? I just don't think he would because the timing would be all wrong for Ryan Garcia. Um, you don't want to jump ship. Let the other guys do all the legwork. Canelo was able to afford that. Not Ryan Garcia at so the moment. Why it gets tricky for me in terms of top five, all right? So if we're talking about promoters, I think we, we can say that the PBC is a promotion. Uh, personally, right. I rank that um, as one or one. You obviously have top rank, right? Top rank. Got PBC. Yeah, you've got match room. Match room. Right? Those are all clearly ahead of, of of Golden Boy at this point. Yes. And that, then you would and have that, Golden Boy. I would no. I would count Golden Boy. Well, who? I, I guess it's because I'm looking more international, but I gotta be honest with you. I, I rate I rate Frank Warren at this point higher than I rate Deloria. Uh Frank nope. Warren. Okay, so who does give me Frank his, Warren's uh top three guys right now? Bro, it's, it's, okay. I mean the the top man in in Queensbury just speaks for itself. It's Daniel Dubois. I mean that that's a really good pro- that's a really good prospect. It's a in good fact, prospect, I but could he outsell a Ryan Garcia is my question. Is he more recognizable than a Virgil Ortiz at this moment? What do you think? I don't think he is. I mean, his fight against uh, Gorman did really well in England. Um, you know, he it was FBO too. He did, it, but I'm talking about the whole across the spectrum and stuff because – See, Ryan Garcia, in my opinion, is going to be watched because of him facing Campbell uh, or even like Jorge Linares all across the board, all around of every country that can possibly get that fight. 
Dubois, I'm not sure he can do that yet. You know. All right. Well, let's look at it this way. I mean, he, the, Queensbury is also the, the promotion that has Tyson Fury. You know, I mean, sure. those, those, you know, they, they co-promote him with with uh, with Dubois. For what it's worth, they have Joe Joyce. You know, yes. Mm-hmm. There's uh, another guy, but again, not a very yeah. recognizable name among outside the hardcore boxing fans. I think. Yeah. True. All right. I mean. Yes, he's in the top five. Perhaps I should have said top three. I definitely don't see them in the right. top three. I, I honestly, no, top three, no way. I mean, top five, top six, I would have to put Golden Boy in there. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, outside of the top, like, six would be Lou DiBella. You know? Um, which I don't even know if he's a promoter that much anymore. He really doesn't hold a lot of promotions anymore. All he's got no, no. is Broadway Boxing. Yeah, maybe uh, Mr. Honda out in Japan, the uh, promoter of guys like uh, Chocolatito and... I mean, is um, he the, isn't, he, isn't he just the manager to Riga's Progress? He's not the promoter, right? No, he, no he's not. Um, you see, you got like Saulin Promotions, who, who is running pretty much the uh, world... Uh, I always call it the World Series of Boxing, but it was the... Uh, the WBF World Boxing Super Series. Series, right? And then uh, you have uh, uh, Tom Lawfer, who had the uh, um, the Kalishko's promotional group, which I can't think of. It starts with the K something, right? Um, come on, guys, help uh, me out there. Too Kalishko too was he was in he was running the uh, Kalishko the Kalishko brothers promotion, right? Promotion. You know, that's what I'm saying. Tom Lawfer, you know, um, but you can't really consider him. Uh, I, de- I definitely, I definitely see him playing kind of triple A baseball though. At this, Zanfer, Zanfer is another good name. You consider oh, him a top six? Zanfer, yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah, good point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he basically has all you know, uh, down south fighters. You know, most of them and stuff. You know, uh, Lou, Lou, outlaw puts Lou is on his way out like Richard Schaefer, who Richard Schaefer had. Ringstar promotions. Who's yeah. on Ringstar promotions? Let me ask you that. I think I think he'd be on the top twenty of promoters. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I think he'll deal with David Hay at some point. Um, not too sure. So yeah, I mean, I just don't. I Golden Boy is now in the game playing Triple A baseball. As far as I'm concerned, they don't have anyone that could be possibly on a pay per view right now. Hmm. Not not. Not on, not in his own right, anyways. Whereas all the other promoters I've mentioned have guys that are fighting on pay per view already. Right. Now speaking about pay per view, Canelo and Smith. What do you think? Does it end up on pay per view? Is it a good move for them to go to pay per view, or is it just a good move that they put it on DAZN? If uh, let's just say because Canelo may go. I don't want. I, I just broke up with these guys. I don't want to own. Uh, because I'm helping you guys out unless I'm getting a big sum of money because we don't know what really honestly the negotiation is. Is it possibility Canelo going to go back on his own for this fight or does Canelo say, let's put it on, on another different network where everybody will be able to tune in and watch, um, which I think that would be pretty difficult. I think it'd be easier because the time slots are much easier to do on a zone, right? Yeah, I I think the reason that that, struggles uh, to do a pay-per-view uh, right now is 
because of the companies that are pushing the pay-per-view market here in the United States. So, right. you know, yeah, Callum Smith is not tied to Fox. Callum Smith is not tied to ESPN. No. Uh, Callum Smith is not really tied to Showtime. And given also the conflict, um, I don't know if it, I don't know if you have enough time to promote it as a paper. I think that's why the, the 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 Caleb Plant uh, fell apart. It was not there wasn't enough time because really honestly, outside of the hardcore fa- fans, again we go back to that talk there. Uh, did anybody know who Caleb uh, Plant was? I mean, I when that was announced and I tweeted it out, I dude I got like a a roaring amount of of fan mail saying. It's an okay fight, but it's really, I wouldn't pay to watch it. But then I had some, some listeners going like, I definitely paid to watch Caleb Plant get, uh, get in the ring with Canelo. It was really down the middle. Um, Callum Smith to me is a much better, way better opponent, better opponent. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's just more of a threat in terms, because he's got some power. He had power, you know, to, uh, Caleb is good, is a good opponent for, Canelo in the sense of it being a Rocky Fielding two kind of fight. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, he just hasn't fought anyone even close to Canelo's level. Not even close. No. He's, his title defenses that he's been making do not prepare him for Canelo Alpha. A guy that brutally knocked out Kovalev, you know, at 175. You know, and a guy who is probably even going to be more destructive at 168. Yeah, I like the fight. I think the fight is going to be really good. Um, I do see it going on <laughs> on the zone. Um, so anybody that made your cancellation of the zone and said that the zone was going to die with this fight, it obviously keeps us for another six months. Um, well, no, not not even that, because we only seen their their schedule so far. What we saw is the end of the year. Uh, Jesus M says Thompson. Thompson, I, I would I put him in the top ten, and I'm, I'll tell you why I put him in the top ten. Okay, huh? I I put I, I put him in the top ten because look, they do they do the the three two one boxing uh, events. Um, in all honesty, they, they do push a lot of good fighters. There's a lot of fighters that come out of Thompson Boxing that kind of roll over to, like, they, it's like a graduation, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you hear, like, they get picked up by somebody else and say, oh, this guy was groomed by Thompson Boxing, you know that's a good fighter. Yeah. I'm laughing, David, not because of what you said. <laughs> Outlaw is posted in the chat. What did he put it to? Caleb Plant was never going to fight Canelo because he needs about a 20 week camp. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Plant. Uh, he's planted eight. <laughs> Caleb is definitely has planted himself with these types of jokes because of what he said originally when the fight was asked, you know, for him to step up to face Canelo Alvarez. So it's all deserved, unfortunately, for Caleb Plant. Don't get sour about it. You know, we'll water it down as much as we can here, Caleb Plant, on leaving the ring. <laughs> I mean, all right. Well, let's get down to this Saturday night's fight, the most anticipated fight of the year. 
Terrence Crawford returns back on ESPN facing uh, Cal Brook. Yes, Cal Brook, the same guy that was stopped by Errol Spence, the same guy that stepped up to face Gennady Golovkin at the middleweight division, um, was literally turned into the character from Batman. Um, what is that guy? Half-Face or whatever the hell they call him. Two-Face. <laughs> you know? Um, Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. Now, if anybody could say there was egg weights, could claim egg weights, would be Cal Brook after he fought Gennady Golovkin. He could have like he could have actually adopted that conspiracy theory, uh, you know, when he got stopped by Gennady Golovkin. He could have said, "Hey, he's got egg weights in his in his gloves," but he just didn't do that. Now, let's get down to the nitty gritty about this fight, okay? Now, obviously, this isn't a fight that, um. Yeah, Kill Brook, can he still make 147? I think it is at one. It's got to be at 147. 147 pounds. Yeah. Okay, so does he have a chance against Terrence Crawford, who everybody believes is one of the best welterweights? Go around to anybody, go to any website, go to any different podcast or YouTuber. They still claim that Terrence Crawford is the Godzilla of the welterweight division, even though... He hasn't been looking that much like the Godzilla of the 147. He has struggled. He has struggled at the welterweight division. And when I mean that struggle, not by making weight, but he has struggled with opponents. So that only tells me that Cal Brook probably has a much greater chance of giving Terrence Crawford a much better entertaining fight the way Gamboa gave Devin Haney. The only difference is Devin Haney didn't have the power or even the mean streak, which I heard from ringside reporter earlier today, who's on the leaving the ring rotation, mentioned the mean streak. Devin Haney doesn't have it. Terrence Crawford does. Let me ask you, Amilcar, what are the odds that Cal Brook hit, cause an upset on Saturday night against Terrence Crawford? I'll tell you what I do think. I think the odds are really ridiculous uh, right now. And I spoke to a few about this today. I'm I'm laying down money on Kel Brook on Special K. Woo. You know, the payouts are huge. You know, so I I see it as a pretty big disrespect the, 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 the odds right now. And this is a real welterweight fight. I've said it on the show for, for a while now. I think Terrence Crawford's obviously a great fighter. But he's still unproven at the welterweight division. His most notable weight against Jeff Horn. Hmm. Um, instead, he's fought a string of guys that have been no hopers or guys that have up in weight or both. Well, guys that were supposed to be no hopers. Okay, Jose Benavides was a one-legged fighter. Yep. Really, honestly. Uh, was not consistent in his career. Uh, then he gets in with the green machine with the green machine. I had like two fights prior to that. Every, well, three, even more, like three fights. Everybody, including myself was like, I don't want to see this guy ever again as a headliner or co main event. This wasn't, you know, didn't, didn't really do it for me. Didn't move the needle for me. Well, Terrence Crawford goes out there and get, well, guess what? It was a back and forth seesaw battle. Against guys that he was supposed to blow out. Yes, it was. And here's the thing with with Kell Brook. Um, he's he's a 
high level. I mean, right. He was also one at one time considered a guy that was going to peak a pound for pound fighter of all time. Great. Yeah. And I'll put it to you like this. If Kel Brook was in the United States and was with the PDC or ESPN, he'd have a much bigger profile and would be getting a lot more respect uh, from the U S media. Right. Than he is right. You know, I, I, I look, Kabbalistius, Amir Khan, Benavides. That's who he's fought as WBO champion. Right. I, I'm just impressed by that list, and I'm also not impressed by how close the Kabbalistius fight was for a while it lasted. And you know what? Kell Brook is a much better fighter than all of those guys, and I'm including yeah. Amir Khan. He has, you know he's what? got a good jab. He's got good footwork, got good movement, and he's got power. He does carry yeah. power. You know, he's got a he's got a high I, I, boxing IQ. He knows what he's very, doing. very, very high. He was competitive against Gennady Golovkin. He was he was competitive against Errol Spence. I uh, and 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 just to go back to with Crawford's last two performance with Benavides and Green Machine, they were very highly competitive with Crawford, yeah. and they didn't even touch the rankings or the level of Cal Brook. Yeah, and and here, here's. Here's another thing about Brooke. We all know how difficult it is to, to drop down in weight, right? He was at 147. He but he was struggling. To, yeah, he took on Gennady Golovkin. Right. You know, had his eye socket broken or his orbital bone. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, then in his very next fight, very next fight, he goes down two weight classes and fights uh, – uh, Errol Spence uh, in his hometown. And what's interesting about that, in addition to the fact that it's very difficult to go from 160 to 147, let alone against a guy like like uh, Errol Spence, he was competitive in that fight. Um, until again, his eye, his eye socket broke, and, or his orbital bone. And what his team has said, he's too proud and not a sore loser to say this, is that he was really the week of that fight and his team was actually pretty much begging him to uh, not go through with it and he went right. through with it it took place in a football stadium in his hometown and a lot of people had bought tickets to that fight and it was a really big deal and he didn't want to let them down Right. so those are his only two losses and you know what else? To very high level fighters <laughs> too he did much better against Sean Porter than Errol Spence did he beat Sean Porter. I mean, he shut down Sean Porter. He couldn't. Sean Porter couldn't even close that distance that he's known for. He wasn't able to line back his way past Kell Brook's jab. You know, so yeah, I, the credit of where Kell Brook and the dis, the line of disrespect that he's getting right now, uh, from not just from the Kell Brook fans, but media and all betting odds in Vegas. You know, gamblers. I mean, that's that's got a lot, a lot to say about what they think of Kell Brook. I think this is going to be a much more high level uh, fight than than we were uh, that a lot of people are not expecting. Um, Outlaw put out there. He goes, I like Brooks' chances, but if it was at 147, I mean, yeah, and I don't think that think that's why a lot of us are going to be picking Crawford. Uh, well, here's the thing about that. Okay. And I agree. Um, well, I don't agree with Jesus who just 
aspect that Brook is overrated. How can he be overrated when the betting odds had him? If you if you if you lay down a hundred dollars, you get back uh, one thousand eight hundred dollars. That doesn't sound overrated to me at all. I know the drops have the, the odds have narrowed just a little bit, but if a guy is that kind of an underdog going into a fight, I don't really see anything he's overrated. Right. That's the loss point, which I think is very fair about him being more, um, you know, uh, appropriate for the 154-pound weight class. What he said uh, is that during this pandemic, uh, he's been working out this entire time and has been on weight. He's been working with a nutritionist, and he's made a concerted effort not to blow up in weight the way he has in the past. So he's clearly been on weight and and been in the gym and active this entire pandemic, is what he said. Hmm. And it also goes two ways, you know. Crawford didn't look spectacular in his last fight. And in addition to that, he's had a long layoff as well. He has, but the difference with Crawford and Brooke is what you mentioned Crawford. I mean, a Brooke, Crawford doesn't do. He's a true professional. The guy doesn't pollute his body. The guy is always in in fighting weight condition. He's ready to go. Um, So the dedication line, in my opinion, the reason why Brooke couldn't get to that, that... Escalon of being a top, the top guy that he was supposed to be as a pound for pound person that we thought that he was going to be at one time. Um, I think that affected him because he couldn't make 147. Now he's got this new, like, you know, uh, this, this, this all of a sudden I, I, he's resurged by saying, Hey, I, I changed, you know, my diet and I got a nutritionist and I'm doing all of this and all that. I may be a little too late now. Uh, with Crawford, the only thing with Crawford is that his off of his performances, he's actually allowed guys uh, that weren't supposed to be, that weren't supposed to go the distance, or not even supposed to be in the same breath with him, uh, be in there a lot longer than 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 suspected, right? So that's why I think this is a much better fight. But then it go back again. Brooke does have the skills, but being that now he's saying he's more disciplined, is it too late? Is it too late? Because my problem with that, though, with that at Milcar is that when guys fluctuate up and down, it does take a, a, a long-term effect on a person's body, right? That it can actually uh, suck out more water or make the muscles more water when they get in on fight night, you know, where it's not that all muscle anymore. So they get fatigued a little quicker. Um, has he been focused more on the training and losing weight and looking, having the outside condition at a, at an awe effect or have they really worked and studied and watching the mistakes that Crawford does in the ring? Well, what I'd say to that is I agree with you, um, about the weight loss uh, right. of a fight and Ricky hadn't talked about that and how he can have, he really regrets it now that he's retired because it right. pretty much all big fights. You know, he's he was literally working off, you know, pints of beer, hundreds of pints of beer it, it, when he wasn't fighting in kebabs, which he apparently really likes a lot. What I would say that's a little bit different here is that if we're to believe Kell Brook, he's mm. actually not having to lose a lot of weight ahead of this fight because he's been in shape. And the right. one thing that it's going to be a competitive fight is that in addition to his right hand, 
which I think is a very, very powerful weapon. He throws a vicious uppercut uh, and, a, and a really good straight right. I think his jab is... Yes. Is, is, One is of his best more, weapons. Yep. Yeah, it's accurate. Uh, it's fast. He buries it uh, in terms of the angles he uses and also in terms of him using it to the head and to the body. And right. one of the one of the the uh, quotes that I always remember from one of my favorite fighters growing up, uh, Vernon Forrest, and this was after he, uh, you know, literally watched Shane uh, Mosley, is that when you're dealing with uh, guys that have been, you know, placed at that kind of level and pound for pound and and who are highly right. skilled, the best weapon against them is the jab. Yes. Um, so. I'm not saying Kell Brook is going to win, mind you. I'm just saying that the odds uh, make it uh, enticing to lay down money on him. Right. Well, the and odds I, the odds make it seem like he doesn't have a prayer seriously. in this fight. You know? And honestly, I think Brook can hurt. If, if the main machine can hurt Crawford, I think Brook can hurt him. And I also think that Brook height... And all the other things that you just added about what he has, it could cause a lot of problems for Trans Crawford because he hasn't seen that level of skill in a long time by facing the Benavides. Not saying Benavides is not a good fighter, but I thought Benavides would have been a great fighter if he was consistent. But being out of the ring and having outside problems away from the ring obviously took its toll and effect when he got in with Terrence Crawford. Yeah. Mean Machine, in all honesty, was going to be a very high-level B-side fighter. Never considered yeah. him being an A-side fighter, but he was going to be a good B-side. And guess what? He he ended up being just that. Very competitive because Terrence Crawford made it that, made, made, allowed it to be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that the Mean Machine did was kind of use a high volume attack and I think you know broken down and tired out later into the into the fight. Right. You know, maybe maybe Kel Brook will tire later into the fight, but um he's not gonna be punching with the kind of volume that right. the mean machine does. He is gonna be using a very strong jab uh, as his primary weapon. Um and and you know, you've heard a lot of guys talk about this, whether it's Southpaw, because I know Crawford switch hits. Lennox Lewis talked about this a lot. The the jab is is very effective uh, when it's used appropriately against Southpaw, and, and obviously it is against Orthodox fighters as well. So I'm just mm. saying it's going to be an interesting fight. I, and, I agree with you. I, I definitely agree with you. It's going to be a very entertaining fight. Um, I think that Crawford is I think Crawford's his worst enemy to tell you the truth you know and, and what I mean by that is that by not fighting really the other guys that are across the street <laughs> which we're talking about the PBC fighters that he's leaving himself to fight at a lower level of competition that he shouldn't be fighting because when you fight lower level of competition and you're that much better than them, and they start being competitive, that starts telling me something. That starts That's a red flag for me because that starts telling me that, you know what, he's actually fights at the level of his competition, okay? 
And that's not good. He should be able to kind of blow through these guys. All right. So that, so when I hear like, well, Crawford doesn't have to fight, you know, uh, uh, Danny Garcia or Keith Thurman. I only want to see him fight Errol Spence. Well, honestly, Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, uh, Sean Porter, um, all the other guys, uh, uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, would probably have a strong possibility of defeating Terrence Crawford because of the performance that we've seen from Terrence Crawford. Now, really, we're going to be able to see what Kel Brook, what is left with Kel Brook at 147. Is this the right opponent? Is this another uh, 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 wash that Crawford's going to have on his record the way he did to Amir Khan? We're going to no. find out. It's not going to be that. Um, it's not going to be that. And, you know, the, I think the similarity there is that Khan's kind of been in a lot of wars. Uh, right. Let's not Khan was brutally knocked out by Canelo. Oh, yeah. Before he Aaron Crawford. I mean, he was... He Prescott. Was Prescott brutally knocked him out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was... You know? team- Madden, whatever word you want to use. Um, I mean, that happened to him, and then he fought Terrence Crawford. So, How come nobody's made an, emo- an emoji for uh, 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 of Khan getting knocked out uh, by by Prescott? I would love that. You know what I mean? The the sleep mode. Um, like if somebody, like when my wife hits me up, she's like, hey, are you almost done uh, with work? And I send her the sleep mode, like, almost done. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. So, you know, we'll see. Um, what I predict is that it's not going to be a blowout. I don't think and, so either. But I do uh, predict that it's going to probably be eight rounds uh, of Crawford. Um, you know, giving us a really good fight. Because like I, I, I strongly believe he fights at the levels of his competition. And I think that what's going to happen with this fight is that Kell Brook is going to go out there and try to establish a jab, and Crawford's going to be in the softball stance, um, which might buzz a little bit of, of Brook. But I think Brook's uh, IQ level in boxing is going to tell him to lead with the right hand and finish with the left hook, which could catch Crawford. Well, the other thing, too, is that Terrence is like a slow starter. You know, he is a slow starter. If yes. he starts, to, uh, and Kell Brook is it. I mean, you only need to look at the Golovkin fight to see that kind of brings it from from early on and sets the pace appropriate for the kind of boxing style that he has. Right. You know, he was up on the scorecard after six rounds against Errol Smith. Oh, Smith's yeah. Team. Yeah, he, know, was. he was. He was. Um, now, if Crawford gives up early rounds, then now we're talking about a very close fight. Who's a bigger puncher, you think? I mean, obviously, we're not going to know until Saturday if it's Crawford or Errol Spence because Errol Spence was able to do a lot of damage to already broken up face Brooke. I mean, so really, honestly, the the path to victory is already there for Terrence Crawford if he, focus, if he focuses on that side of the face of Kell Brook. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll see. But you know what? The other thing Kelbrook has said is that he's got like titanium plates now, and his bone Ooh. is grown, his bones have grown around him. So Rounded. Been calling himself the Terminator because he. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. 
<laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great if you walked into the ring. I'd be back. And if, if if Crawford starts putting too much hands on him, you hear him yell out into the crowd, get to the chopper. <laughs> 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 That'd be awesome. Anyways, what's your what's your prediction with Kel Brook? Guys in the chat room, uh, go ahead and put it up there in the chat room. We can post it here. Uh, so it's uh, it's final. You're on the record by saying who's your pick. Uh, Jesus is pretty. He's pretty blunt about it. He says Brook is damaged. Good guys, come on, come on, Emil Carr. Give him give him the hundred percent. Give him the hundred percent, bro. I made that mistake before. I learned <laughs> once beaten, twice shy, as they say. But look, you're so confident, you know, pick around. Does it go three? Does it go five? Does it go six? Woo! You know, uh, I don't know if the over under is on this fight. I can look it up. Um, I'm going to say 10 rounds of boxing and six rounds of some brutal exchanges between the two. But it's going to be a stoppage. I think it's going to be a TKO for Terrence Crawford and a very hard-earned win against Kell Brook. I think it's a being. It's I honestly think it's a far better fight than what most are anticipating. Um, and I'm 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 anticipating an actual very competitive welterweight showdown between the two. You know, on paper you look at the defeats that Kell Brook has been received is gets Gennady Golovkin and Errol Spence to the top guys right now. You know, Gennady Golovkin was considered the monster most avoided middleweight at at at, at, at one point in his prime, right? Uh, Errol yeah. Spence has been put on a pedestal as the best welterweight right now. He's in uh, dispute with uh, Terrence Crawford. So, those are two names you shouldn't be ashamed of. And, uh, Brooke does have a win over Sean Porter, who gave Errol Spence all he could handle. And a fight that really honestly had the boxing community down the middle split in believing that Sean Porter should have got that win or it should have ended up a draw. Outlaw puts Bud by late stoppage. Oscar puts, let's see, Crawford late rounds. And like I said, I say 10 rounds. Uh, and I have uh, Terrence Crawford getting the TKO win over Kel Brook. Uh, Milkar, what's your official? Uh, I honestly don't see Terrence Crawford knocking out Kel Brook. Um, if Terrence Crawford does win, I predict uh, a decision victory. Decision um, victory. But, you know, I got to put my word behind my money, so... You know, I've got, I've got a bathroom renovation I want to do. I've got other projects. <laughs> I'm laying down some money, man, because I can pay for all of that stuff with a pretty minimal right? bet. Yeah. What is the minimal bet again? It was $100. And how much do you win if you if Brooke, Brooke pulls it off? $100 and Brooke wins. Like, the last time I checked, it was uh, plus four plus dollars Ooh. Now, it, if I put down 500 That's a lot of stripper ones right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't lay bets, so I'm like having to do um, kind of compare and contrast with the different 
online uh, uh, book book uh, makers out there. Right. You got you got bookmakers out there that offer like a one hundred percent cash bonus and stuff like that. Jesus. They match, they match your your deposit. So if I drop five hundred, I'm really dropping a thousand. Hmm. Now if I drop a thousand and Kelbrook wins, you know now I'm really swimming in the money. So it we'll is it's enticing and interesting to say the least. Uh, about those betting odds, and if Kelbrook can pull it off, and man, I don't know. I might have to think about it. Uh, Maloney and Fran- uh, uh, and Franco is a better fight. It is a better fight. I'm actually looking forward for that fight. Andrew Maloney is the brother of uh, of uh, Jason Maloney, who stepped in yeah. and fought the monster yeah. anyway. Um, right? Yeah. So let me ask you, what's your What's your take about that fight? What, Inoue Maloney? No, and Franco, Joshua Franco. I, I think it's going to be a, I think it's a 50-50 fight. I, it's, a, it's a very competitive fight. Very, um, very I, competitive. I, I, I like Franco in this one, though, i tell you the truth. You know? Uh, yeah, I, you know, if I had to, if I had to, to Twist. predict one guy over the other, I'd probably right. pick Franco as well, but. I do think it's going to be a, com- a competitive fight. I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. You know, um, does it steal the show? I'm not sure. You know, I actually think that Brooke and Crawford is actually going to be a very entertaining. Uh, I think there's going to be some some high volume between the two um, because I don't think Brooke is going to give it away that easy, man. I really don't. It's not going to be a dinner in the movie, fellas. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see Outlaw is betting a draw on this one. Okay, so in, 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 in other news here, I don't know. I know everybody's already heard about this. It's a big Debbie Downer. Is, uh, that, is that Luke Campbell has, uh, it's been announced that he caught COVID-19. So he's not ill or anything like that. So they have to quarantine him. So it's going to push the date. Now, Anytime we see that happen, it obviously will lead to, will Ryan Garcia stick around? Is he restless? Could they find another opponent? Steve Kim tweeted out that he has spoken to the Linares camp, and they're definitely willing or thinking about stepping in, replacing Luke Campbell, which I would not be uh, opposed to. I think that would be a great fight. Jorge Linares versus Ryan Garcia. But I don't know if Ryan Garcia and, them, and Team Ryan Garcia and they would want to be, they would want to do that. I think they would want to wait for Campbell because they've been studying and, and training for Luke Campbell. Yeah. Where Jorge Linares is a completely different style. Yeah. You know? But the kid has shown that he's gutsy by saying, I'm going to fight. I want Luke Campbell. Pounding on the tables. I want this fight. Give me this fight. So it's yeah. not to say that he wouldn't jump in there with Jorge Linares. Now, I haven't been the biggest pom-pom guy for uh, Ryan Garcia, but I give him complete kudos and respect for wanting to step in to face an Olympian like Luke Campbell, who, again, has lost to some of the best names, uh, well, one of the best names, Lomachenko, okay? So this was a very high uh, risk for Ryan Garcia uh, because he's better known as the Instagram famous, uh, uh, fame boxer than he is in the ring. Um, this would have proved that he's the real deal. Yeah. Um, and it's for the, it's, this fight was supposed to be for the WBC interim title, right? So, right. That would have 
the winner to face off against Haney. Yeah, and I, that's something that they were expressing that they were interested in, and I mean, Haney definitely would want uh, Ryan Garcia. I just, you know, off whatever Ryan does would have kind of gave us a better, uh, you know, um, a meter where he's at if he's ready. I mean, um, well, I mean, because this is a strong possibility. I don't know what the odds are, but I think that I think I would have to pick Campbell at this moment. In my opinion, I think the ring experience is in the favor of Campbell. The youth and power goes with Ryan with Ryan Garcia. But throughout boxing history, we've seen that when a young buck jumps up to an experienced fighter like Campbell, um, you know, uh, it, not necessarily the recipe to beat a guy like Campbell. You know, you can't just rely on youth and, and power. You know, sometimes it will come through, but other times a guy like Campbell can numify that that those 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 best traits that he's bringing and and make it a one-sided fight and it can also frustrate ryan garcia if he can't land a big shot if he's not able to do what he's done to his previous opponents it could really frustrate him that's why this fight was so interesting that's why i wanted to see this fight so bad and then fuck you COVID 19 yeah i had to step in and tko tko this whole event for us for december 5th yeah it was a great kind of crossroads fight you know uh, a veteran that was supposed to do great things. You know, he, Luke Campbell got an award, like the queen, they call it an MBE over there yeah. for a medalist. Right. You know, walk uh, in the palace and, you know, you kind of get your little uh, medallion or whatever it's called. It's like below knighthood in the stupid fucked up system they have over there. But, you know, he he's a he was a big deal, and he was expected to do great things as a professional. Right. He's just short, and this is kind of his last stand, really. Whereas, you know, Garcia's kind of up and coming and wants to prove a point and use Luke Campbell to to, to be a stepping stone. Stone, right? So it was always interesting, and you know, COVID's unfortunately affected uh, boxing in a negative way. You know, best wishes to. A Quebec kid, because from what I heard, he caught COVID pretty bad and had to be hospitalized for an extended period. Um, right. Unlike Camp, I believe was asymptomatic. So, yeah, it's serious and it's kind of messing up the sport and, and other things, obviously. And and that's know. the one fight I jinxed it because I remember telling a, a couple of friends of mine, close friends that um, follow the sport as well. Uh, I go. The only way that this fight doesn't happen is if COVID nineteen comes around and stops it. And uh, guess what? It did. You know, uh, this was a drawn out negotiation. It was a drawn out date. Um, it was announced and then not announced. Uh, you know, blah blah blah. Uh, and then finally, we finally had it on paper. We finally had a date and a place that was going to happen. And uh, COVID nineteen said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down, there, fellas. Not this month." So we only hope that it does happen in January, the new year, hopefully, you know. Um, I don't know. That's that's what I'm hoping for. I'm just hoping that it's going to be another 30 days of wait or yeah. at the or maybe on the eve of Christmas, you know, because we are having a big fight, a great fight in the uh, flyweight division on New Year's Eve in Japan. So it'd be great to see Ryan Garcia and uh, Luke Campbell on December twenty, uh, yeah, they all, you know, twenty fourth. 
it's a big tradition out there in Japan to do fights on New Year's Eve. Um, so yeah, uh, but, but to, from what I have understood, uh, Dave, mm-hmm. this Campbell situation was just an issue of him having the quarantine. So he, it's right, not like it would be a huge setback. But fourteen days, you know, fourteen days. days. But at the same time, quarantine, quarantine meaning that he's by himself. There is no training. There's nothing. You know, so is that 14 days? Can he train? Is his trainer allowed to go in there? Are they are they allowed to work on things? Or is this I, just dead air? I, I, I think he's going to be doing like a lot of push-ups and jumping jacks, you know, the prison cell workout. Um, burpees. Yeah, burpees. You know, maybe he's got a pull-up bar over there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're actually taking the quarantine stuff very seriously out there in uh, in England. Yeah, another strong. fight that COVID nineteen knocked down is uh, uh, Valdez and Barchet. I mean, that's another fight that was. Uh, Barchet, yeah. You know, I love this hometown too. I don't know if anyone out there has been to Merida, but it's a beautiful city. Right. Um, and down there in, in Yucatan State. Uh, yeah, I was a, I was really disappointed by that one. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> no. I was like, ah, the Espinosas were, I think they were more disappointed than us, you know, because that fight wasn't happening. That's their fighter, uh, Valdez. So, um, Jesus, uh, David, you still live in Riverbank? She is still here, bro. Same spot. Same spot, man. Uh, but yeah, anyways, big bummer with COVID-19, uh, with Campbell, uh, and, uh, Ryan Garcia, Valdez, uh, and, uh, you know, let's hopefully that they don't stop uh, any other more fights. We can make it out this year with all the fights that are, are on the schedule at this moment. Uh, I think we pretty much have covered everything here, Milkar, unless you got something else left on the table that you want to discuss here on Leaving the Ring. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just going to do what I usually do and bitch and complain about ESPN+. Plus. You know, I'm <laughs> Today, I wish I could screen share. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. Hmm. There, there was a fight today, right? I mean, yes, there was a fight, a junior middleweight fight that I wanted to watch. Hot prospect to find it. It's like I gotta. It's, it's like I'm in a maze hmm. trying to find my way out or find my way to to figure out how to how to watch this fight. Go it's, to ESPN Plus. Scroll down to the icons. Uh, slide over to the glove. Click that. It'll take you to top rank, and then it would say, uh, uh, you know, you have to scroll all the way down for you can see the replays. That's how normally I find it, you know. I don't know if that's the same interface that you guys get, but that's what I got. Whenever I log into their website is, I scroll down to boxing, and it's like footage of, like, Alex Foreman yes. and, like, stuff. It's like, that's not what I'm looking for. I know. You know, the thing is that ESPN Plus, like, if you're a football fan, baseball fan, even a UFC fan – they seem to cater more to them, uh, a boxing fan. Because you know when you buy it and you you first log on, it asks you, um, custom, there's a custom like way of doing it. They ask you, oh, uh, what do you mostly like to watch? Everything yeah, I, I post was boxing, boxing, boxing. But it's still, once I log on, on my phone or on my uh, Apple TV or my Xbox, it still brings up all these other sports first that I have to now, I still have to search for boxing. I click boxing, and you know it, the first fight it's showing me is uh, Terence Crawford versus Julius Ndongo. The next one is right. up 
welterweight, the welterweight division. It's like a discussion. Then there's uh, Marvin Hangler, Roberto Duran. Okay, great fight, but I don't. That's not what I'm looking for. Right. Right. Then you got Duran Ray Leonard one. Again, same thing. And the problem is that whenever I do the search and look for the fight, I end up getting like a a highlight spoiler. <laughs> I know. I know. But that's why I always look at it to see the, the like if it's minutes or the hours, you know. Um, so I don't end up spoiling it for myself, you know. That's that's the only way I've been able to like uh, keep my insanity with these apps, you know. The zone by far does a better job. They just they need more fights. Job. They need better content and, they, and more fights on their schedule, you know. The whole Barack and everybody else, I really don't care for. I agree. So, uh, Jesus M, uh, Dave, do you still talk to Steve Kim and Gabriel Montoya? Uh, I do still talk to Steve. I actually spoke to Steve about him leaving um, ESPN, what happened between them two, but that's a conversation between me and him. And uh, Gabriel Montoya, no, I haven't spoken to Gabriel Montoya in quite some time. Um, I know he's still uh, doing acting, he's in plays still, and I wish him all the best. Uh, Hand tactical, hence his laugh. I don't know why. What, what does they hate for the homie Gabriel Montoya, man? He did so much for the sport. Give the guy some love. <laughs> yeah, I, I always enjoyed listening and participating when you guys ran. ran yeah, he was he was a really big part of leaving the ring. There's nothing bad I could say about uh, Gabriel Montoya. Uh, it was just uh, it was that time that we both needed to move on. He needed to continue on, on with his career, which was really flourishing it was um skyrocketing uh to another direction he was gonna um you know actually he was gonna be leaving to to, to paris or france somewhere in france i i believe it was paris uh to do a play um and uh uh the COVID 19 and obviously that interrupted it um and i think the last thing that i heard that he was doing was that he was gonna do he was gonna become a director well he was directing some play or he's gonna be part of some affiliation to do that so all the best to him and uh, even with Steve Kim, I don't know where Steve Kim's going to go. I had a lot of emails. Is Steve going to come back to leaving the ring? Would he do that? Honestly, it never came up, uh, never crossed our minds. And uh, I think we're fine right now where we're at. Like I said, we're, we're on Pandora, guys. So that's to say a lot, you know. <laughs> Plus, he's got his, his show with Mario Lopez. Uh, yes, he still does. And that's still running on very, very strong and stuff again. Okay, so again, really quick. Hit the like button, the notification. Make sure... Uh, you guys go to Pandora. Subscribe to our Pandora channel. Um, it is a big accomplishment for not just for us, but for you guys, the listeners, because you guys made that possible for us, okay? So please go down to Pandora, subscribe, hit the likes, so we are more on the rotation on Pandora as well, so that we can attract more listeners that are not keen about leaving the ring and that are boxing fans that want to interact with other great boxing fans like yourself, you know, because uh, we have some great conversations here in the chat room. We are going to try to get back up a hotline. I've uh, actually sent something to a, to a mill car to take a look at, to see what he thought of us getting a, a, a phone line here on our live show on YouTube. We were on live and stuff. Yeah, we can patch in. Um, about that for the show. I got some ideas to do that. Yeah. So we are working on stuff. Um, you know, to do a lot more here. Uh, don't forget tomorrow on D-Style channel, the Leaving the Ring Roundtable uh, will be up and live, uh, I believe at 5 p.m. as well, Pacific time, 8 p.m. 
Easter time, it'll be myself with Mo Car, Blood Boxing, uh, Joe Habib, D Style, and G Funk. And I think Dave Four Away. I'm not sure the other names that are going to be on there. We always have some great topics. It's uh, uh, things that are circulating in the sport of boxing, as always. Um, uh, we all have a chance to kind of get even our input, debate about, and interact with you guys in the chat room. So don't forget that we're on there uh, tomorrow night at 5 p.m. Also, a quick announcement. We got Ringside Reporter on the rotation, as well as The Shoe Shine with Dave408 and Drew. Um, really two good shows. If you guys haven't had a chance to check them out, check them out. They're on the rotation. You can catch us on Spotify, Pandora, Apple, um, pretty much every platform. If you got an, if you got a phone, you can listen to us. If not, you can find us here on YouTube. I don't know about you, but I think we're all talked out of boxing right here on leaving a ring. A milk car? Any last uh, last thoughts? Final thoughts? Uh, no, um, not really. I, I I think we covered pretty much everything. I think know? so too. Um, I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about for next week on Monday, especially if Kel Brook pulls the upset. Absolutely. You know, you'll be coming on, you know, throwing out those ones. Make it rain, baby. <laughs> your, hey, your wife is going to go like, she's, when she gives you a hug and gives you the wrap around to grab your ass, and you'll be like, hey, why is one side a lot lumpier than the other side? <laughs> oh, man. Let's see what happens. Uh, again, we'll be on <laughs> tomorrow night. Um, tomorrow night. On D Style's channel, on the Leaving Ring Roundtable, we're going to talk boxing as always. Don't forget, go to Pandora. Don't forget, hit the like button. Hit the notification bell so you know we're on live here. As always, guys, have a great time. Enjoy your weekend. Don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballeros. <laughs>